You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for your support of The Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. We have a fun episode ahead of us today talking about music and music education with a couple of my favorite people. Joining us today, Emmy Wook, Director of Parish Music at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. Thanks for joining us today, Emmy. Thanks for having me. And Dr. Charles Brown, Professor of Music, Music Education Coordinator and Director of Choral Activities at Concordia University, Chicago. Thanks for joining us again, Dr. Brown. Well, thanks for having me. Great to be here. So we're going to talk about a music education workshop that's coming up at Concordia Chicago, but I want to lay some groundwork first. Let's talk about music education in general, why a workshop like this is important, where it fits into the continuing education for a music educator. So let's start with some just some background about what what even is music education. So, Dr. Brown, how are students formed in music education at Concordia Chicago? Well, they're formed in a number of ways. First of all, since we're in Illinois, we're primarily preparing students for licensure in the state of Illinois to teach music K-12. So any student who comes in, whether they're choral, instrumental, general music, they go for a certain certification so that when they're, they're prepared to be able to teach anywhere in the state. So the curriculum is pretty extensive. And, and so I'm pretty excited about what students get to do there. Primarily at Concordia, then, through the Lutheran heritage, we also prepare students for parochial grade school work. So if you're somebody who is, for example, getting their first call to a congregation in Illinois, they'll be able to run the music ed program at that school, but they will also have the credentials of being licensed in the state of Illinois. So there are a lot of good, good crossovers that they will have accomplished in that preparation. So looking at the formation of Lutheran music teachers and and church musicians as well, what skills are necessary when it comes to teaching children music in that type of setting? Well, I think our segment isn't long enough to be able to discuss all of that. But let's start with, I would say, not necessarily what our particular teachers do, it's what they get the students to do. And obviously professional that comes into the environment, the school, the church, what have you, they've got to be skilled, right? They, I think primarily the most important part is what the musical prep. So can they sing? Can they play an instrument? They work towards proficiency in a number of instruments in the undergraduate experience. But by and large, I would say from my perspective, everyone here has the ability to sing and they should be able to impart that singing ability in students in the schools. That if you have instrumental folks, they will also teach not only, they could teach general music, but they could also start up an elementary band, which would then feed into middle school, then would feed into the high school. So sort of the quick answer to a larger (laughs) umbrella of preparation. How is music used? I mean, obviously music is taught in music classes in, in choir and in band. Are there other ways that music is used, especially, I don't know, maybe in elementary education, but used to enhance learning in general in a, in a Lutheran education setting? I think Debbie needs to take this question. <laughs> this, is, this, is, 
very passionate about this. Yes, absolutely. So I, I would put music broadly into two categories, music recreation and music education. I think music is a gift from the Lord and one that we should share with the students. And in a music education classroom, we are working on specific musical objectives. So things like keeping steady beat or literacy components, matching pitch, all, all of these foundational music skills. But music can also be used recreationally um, and in various settings throughout the day. So teachers might use it as part of the welcome routine in the morning to greet students as they arrive. They might use it for transition time between subjects or to change the tone in their classroom. Certainly in a Lutheran context, we would also extend that into worship. A lot of our Lutheran schools incorporate some sort of morning devotions or daily or weekly chapel into their routine, and certainly music is a part of that. So music can really permeate the fabric of the school far beyond what goes on in just the music classroom. I feel like we should have sung the intro and the and we should sing the segues today, Sarah. I feel like that too. I've been singing a lot today, talking about just like <laughs> singing and segues in my own life. Literally today, I have been like singing all of my own segues. So, <laughs> I I like your your organization of or understanding of of how we use music in education, the the music classroom, but also recreationally as well. I find that very helpful. And you mentioned, you know, in the Lutheran school setting, certainly chapel or devotions is an important part of the day or the week in a Lutheran school. Why is hymnody important for teaching children in a Lutheran school, especially young children? This could be a whole episode in and of itself. I'm sure it could be a whole series. It could be a whole podcast there we in go. And of itself. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we are what we sing, right? And mm. and our, our hymns are, are rich with truth and all the things that we are teaching in a Lutheran school. You know, whether you're teaching a certain section of the catechism, there's a hymn for that. If there's a certain studying, uh, you know, situation that occurs in the classroom, you can find probably find a hymn for that. And so I think there's so much that we can teach children through hymns about the faith, but also we can use hymns to help children learn to navigate through various situations that they encounter. Hymns can provide students just a wealth of, of text that they can use. I, I really encourage the memorization of hymns because it can be really a wonderful thing when students or, you know, as adults, we encounter things and how often I find myself or others I know turning to hymns for, for comfort, for the celebration. For I mean, again, there's a hymn for everything. And so to equip those students with texts that they can, to, to quote Dr. Feyerabend, when he speaks about music repertoire, give students music they can grow into, not out of. When we give them hymns, we're giving them something that they can have for the duration of their life. And usually when they're younger, they it, it stays with them. Mm -hmm. And if they're going to hear something later on in life, for example, so if there's one hymn that they learned in school, but then there's a lapse of time and then they come back to it later in life, immediately they're transported quicker than maybe an aroma or another or a specific word. Very powerful how, how God has given us that gift of music to access a memory or an event that's very transformative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned something I want to unpack a little bit more about music you can grow into. Are there some misconceptions about teaching music to little kids that something might be too hard or, or it's not quite right for them yet? How do you approach that in all of your teaching hymns to, to little kids? Yes, I have certainly encountered that. And I think you just approach it with confidence and children love challenges. 
So in my experience, when I have shared with my students, oh, you know, someone at the school, you know, or, you know, someone told me that this hymn is too hard for you to learn, that motivates them all the more to learn it. And I recognize that there are hymns that I might teach them that they might fully grasp at their age. They might know the words and the melody and they might know what the hymn is about. But then again, if as you're growing into a hymn, as as you experience more life, as your faith deepens, you uh, you develop a, a greater understanding of what that hymn is about. I think back one of the courses I took my first master's at Notre Dame, one thing that really stood out to me in one of my theology courses is I had a professor who described that, you know, the cyclical life in the church, it's round and round like a merry-go-round, but more like a screw where every time around drives you deeper in to the meaning, to, to the faith. And so I think the same is true with hymns. The more we sing it, the more we live in those texts the deeper our understanding is and the more helpful it is to us. And so, yeah, it's not really something, you know, that's for kids. It's for everybody. Now, perhaps the kindergartner singing for the first time experiences it differently than the 75-year-old who's been singing it their whole life, but there's something there for everybody. Sure. Think about how many times you've sung a hymn and then when that really complex word finally sinks in because you learned what it meant. <laughs> How much more valuable that that hymn seems after you learn the vocabulary. Yeah. Or when you realize all of a sudden that a hymn you've been singing since you were five, you actually have memorized and you don't need the hymnal anymore. Well, that, that That's too. a fun thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so how about appreciating music? How does teaching children hymns help them to appreciate music? In, the, in, the, in that realm of music appreciation that we've all taken that class. But how, how does hymnody play a role in that? To give that a little bit of pop, because there's a lot of... Because sometimes, in some ways, I would say... How, like, in terms of building skill, maybe I should ask a follow-up question to that. Is it, are we talking skills, are we talking or just the pure enjoyment or appreciation? Appreciation of music. So sure, pure enjoyment. Yeah, because partly it's, I think when you hear a hymn, you're not thinking of where, where you, it would transport you to where you are. Usually when we sing hymns, whether it's a devotional life at home or whether it's in a church in worship, you're, it's taking you there. And so it's, and in some ways I would say it makes you think about, this is pretty remarkable. This is extraordinary. This is, this is something outside of everyday life, which therefore God sets it apart. It's holy. And so I think that there's a beauty in it, and there's definitely an aesthetic quality. Whether or not kids go, oh, I like that hymn, or they say, I, I can't wait to sing that hymn. They may be, boy, I'm just really thinking about so many life circumstances where kids think about why they sing a hymn or why they appreciate a hymn, why they appreciate the music through the hymn. There are so many angles that we could we could take with that discussion, but uh, I guess that's a good place because then we have the conversation with kids, and we find out what it is that matters. To them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's a hymn for that hashtag. I like I like that. We need some <laughs> stickers. We've already got the hymn nerd stickers. Now we need hashtag. There's a hymn for that. We are talking with Emmy Wook and Dr. Charles Brown about music education and an upcoming workshop happening at Concordia Chicago. We need to take a quick break. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates.
At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. We're talking with Emmy Wook and Dr. Charles Brown about music education and an upcoming workshop at Concordia University Chicago for music educators. And before we get to the workshop, I, I wanted to ask one more personal question of both of you about your own music formation and, and what brought you to be music educators. And I know this could be a very long discussion, but I'm curious, since we're talking about music education and formation, what brought both of you to be music educators and, and where you are now? Yeah. Since I'm older, I have to take longer <laughs> to think about this. So I mean, I think you should start. Yeah. So my story in a nutshell, which is kind of amusing, it still cracks me up a little bit. My parents are both church musicians. And so I grew up, grew up pretty determined to do anything but become a music major. But I took some organ lessons my senior year of high school and just fell in love with the instrument. And then I met Dr. Feyerabend when he was a keynote speaker here at Concordia and just became increasingly passionate about music education. And so I would say um, for me, it was really a God thing because it was it was something that I never imagined myself doing. And yet now I can't imagine doing anything but. Well, yeah, I mean, right here where we could say about how music changes lives, where I'm trying to think of where it exactly clicked in with me because I always loved being in music. I sang in church, I sang in school, I played the organ and always wanted to play instruments, but I was seven of eight in the birth order, so we couldn't afford the school instrument. And yet there was an encouragement of music. My parents both encouraged it. Always wanted, well, my dad would always sing down the octave because he was a bass. And I thought like that day of like that rite of passage for me, I was really looking forward to the day I could sing lower than my dad. And, <laughs> and so that was a big day of honor for me <laughs> when he acknowledges that. But then in, when, in the formal training, high school choir director, his, his way was very giving and sacrificial on a number of levels. And, and I saw how we, as our, our peers grew up in high school choir, were really changed by his service to us and how we really excelled because we were encouraged, we were loved, we were really, we were really supported to make music. And I thought, well, I, there's no other profession I want to do. And that, and then that sets my undergraduate, my graduate, I, I, that's another episode right there about where I, where what had led me to Concordia, basically, eventually. But the teaching experiences I've had have just been, I've been very blessed to have had all those experiences in teaching. And so now taking those experiences and shaping and, and being a part of the formation of music educators, let's talk about the upcoming workshop. Tell us about the upcoming workshop for music educators. 
Sure. So we are offering here at Concordia a certification course for the first steps in music program. This is a curriculum that was designed by Dr. John Feyerabend. And these certification courses happen all over the country all summer long. My congregation, Redeemer and Elhurst, hosted two of these, one for conversational solfege in 2019, and then another for first steps in 2021. We had a teacher trainer, Andrew Heimlich, come, I believe. He actually was on on the coffee hour in 2021 when we did it. And so we just had a really, really wonderful time and had a lot of positive feedback. And so I decided in my spare time that it would be interesting to become a teacher trainer. And so I did the application process and then went through a year-long mentorship with Andy Heimlich. And then when the committee approved all of that, then last summer I went to Boston and spent some time at Gordon College apprenticing uh, with Dr. Feyerabend. And so now I am one of the teacher trainers certified to teach the class. And so I am really excited for the opportunity to share this curriculum, this, this method with teachers in our Lutheran schools. Yeah. And we were actually in Chicago for that one in 2021. My husband Luther was there for that. So he learned how to do first steps and he's now teaching a little kid's choir using this, this way of teaching kids how to sing music. So we have personal experience with this and how wonderful it is. So you mentioned conversational solfege, first steps in music. Can you explain the, the difference between those two, what those two th different things are for teachers and kids? Yes, absolutely. So Dr. Robbins' curriculum is very holistic. It starts with infants and goes all the way through high school or even college. And so the certification pieces are, are separate. So the first steps curriculum is the curriculum that is designed for infants, toddlers, preschoolers through second grade. Although I will always mention that the book says preschool and beyond, because if you find yourself teaching fourth or fifth graders who don't have a solid foundation on which to build literacy skills, you would use this curriculum. Conversational solfege, that is the literacy piece. That is where students in second grade on up, assuming they have that strong foundation, see music in print for the first time. And so that's where they're working on solfege and simple dictation and, and all, of the, all of that literacy piece. And so what we're offering this summer is the first steps certification. And so the Firebend Association for Music Education has set up these different certification courses. And so again, there are a variety of teacher trainers who run the courses, but each course is, is somewhat standardized. So, so that regardless of which teacher trainer you are taking the certification course with, you're getting the same information. And so this first steps piece, it's, it's 24 hours of classroom instruction time. We're doing it over the course of four days. And it is diving deeply into this, the first steps curriculum. And then the, the conversational solfege is a separate certification and they don't have to be taken in order. So I know some people who start with the conversational solfege certification and then go back and do the first steps. I also know teachers who just do one or the other, depending on their teaching circumstance. And then there is also a third certification course called upper level conversational solfege. And that's the more advanced. That's where you get into part singing and improvisation more, more, well, there's improvisation in all of it, but you get into it even more in that in that upper level certification course. It has been a while since we talked about conversational solfege. For our listeners not familiar with what solfege is, can you explain <laughs> that for us? Well, solfege is the system of literacy. I mean, if you think of the sound of music, do re mi fa sol la ti do. That's really the 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 structure of the of the of the system of the skill pattern. 
And, uh, but with conversational, I mean, I mean, here's the pro added where, where you're back and forth between, between people where they're, where they're singing at each other in, in Solfege or, and it's also through hand signs, correct? Yeah, you can use hand signs. Dr. Feyerabend also uses the hand staff okay. um, and lots of games. And that, that conversational term, that is a Dr. Feyerabend term, and I love it. And part of his whole approach is that, you know, because it's conversational, it's very much ear before eye, is that it's presented to children in a way, his word is effortless, where it doesn't seem like work. You know, you talk to college students who are in oral skills or, you know, ear training, and they all look Oh my goodness, but it, it's remarkable that with, with this approach, it, it's so playful and fun and joyful. It really is effortless. I had second graders taking dictation and they all thought it was just a game. It was, it was not work. And so I think, that's, I think that's proof of just the effectiveness of this curriculum that Dr. Farabin has put together. So what, are, what will attendees learn at this workshop? What are some of the, the, the skills that they're going to come away with that they'll be able to implement when they return to their schools and congregations? Sure. So this certification course will cover a little bit of everything. So the first day is a lot of just philosophy and research. So learning about all of the different research that Dr. Feyerabend did or read about that led to the creation of this curriculum looking historically you know, music education, what was going on in, in the world of Kodai and just all of the basics. And then from there, we look at the curriculum itself, both the infant and toddler piece and the preschool and beyond piece. The curriculum is designed so that every lesson has eight parts and so that it's a really well-rounded experience for children. Dr. Fireben talked about the importance of students being tuneful, beautiful, and artful. And so we will talk about that. We will talk about approaches for teaching music, things like sing for the class, not with the class. That's Dr. Firebin's golden rule, which comes as a surprise to a lot of teachers who maybe have always been singing with their students. And so we talk about why it's important that you sing for them, but not with them. And then we will dissect each of those eight parts and look at what pedagogically is going on in each part and how to diagnose and troubleshoot issues that may arise in the classroom, how to assess, how to select repertoire. And then at the end of this certification course, anyone who completes it will receive certification through the Firebend Association for Music Education and will be a first step certified teacher. Prerequisites. Obviously, this is for music educators or anyone who finds themselves teaching children music, any prerequisites they need to have in order to attend this workshop? Yes, I appreciate your introduction there that, yes, it, it is for not just music educators. There are certainly, we have church musicians who maybe don't have a background in music education or a certification in music ed, but find themselves working with children choirs or doing Sunday school music. And so this is absolutely for them. Obviously, if you are teaching children, it's really important that you can sing in tune. It's important that you have some level of basic musical skills. But yeah, having a music educator license is not a requirement for the course. And we, we in fact, have some college students who are enrolled to take this. So it'll be a, a wide variety of agents, backgrounds, abilities. But that's part of the, the wonderful thing about this is not just the certification course, but one of the biggest things I was hearing from participants when Redeemer hosted it was that the conversations over lunch and over breaks and brainstorming ideas and, you know, how, how are you having children sing in church and how are you teaching hymns in your setting? 
is is really an invaluable experience. Oftentimes, music educators are working on an island that many schools do not have multiple music educators. And so just the opportunity to talk with other music educators in similar settings can be a really positive thing. Yeah, it's always helpful to have that network of people to kind of help you figure out that you're not the only one doing it and other people are actually doing it the same way you are. And, and that's that's a really great thing. Details about the workshop, when it is, the time and how to register. Yes. So we can we can send you a, a link if you can mm-hmm. put that, you know, for registering. So it is June 26th through 29th. So four days. It will run from 9 a.m. until 4 p.m. with an hour break for lunch. I was absolutely thrilled that the chair of the music department here, Professor Jonathan Kors, really wanted to make this accessible for Lutheran educators, recognizing that church bookers often have a limited budget. Many churches have a limited budget. And so we are really excited that for anyone who is a rostered church worker or currently teaching in a Missouri Synod school or church, will receive a discount so they can attend the certification course for $250, which is makes it really affordable. And then we have another discount for students. And of course, anyone is welcome to come. And then there's also opportunities to stay in the dorm if if that is a need for anyone coming from a distance. And so we can send you that link and emails for anyone who has further questions. Fantastic. Emmy Wook, Director of Parish Music at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And Dr. Charles Baum, Professor of Music, Music Education Coordinator and Director of Choral Activities at Concordia University, Chicago. Thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere.